right? If you're a 10% owner and you're not putting in money and you're, you're, you're eschewing the progress of growth because you don't have more money to put in, well, be if you're the bigger guy and you have put in more capital on that project, push forward, dilute your minority member until his shares are almost valueless. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noelle Fryson. And I'm Eric Anderson, and we're so excited today. We're going to talk about this really cool topic, what to do when you and your partner don't agree. Degree or don't agree? agree? Don't agree. If they don't have a degree, then you can't agree. But what to do when you and your partner don't agree, and how to move that partnership into a divorce. A divorce. So The big D. The big D, and to talk about divorce and moving people out of a partnership, we have our to be talking about that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have our our legal eagle our here. Our legal eagle, Neva Mary of a Mary Law Firm. How do you does divorce? everything? But apparently, talk about the law on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, Eric, how do you give someone the big D? How do you how do you dump them? How do you fire them? I think that first of all, you have to be very careful getting into a partnership. But once you do get into that partnership, and um, things don't go the way you plan, I think you have to give yourself almost like a warning period, um, where you talk to that person that's not working the way that you want them to. And I think you should go through what their what their expectations of you are and what your expectations of their, them are. And then you kind of put it in writing and then you give it a couple months and see where it goes. So is it worth salvaging a relationship, a partnership that you have if you guys are just not on the same page? Have you tried to salvage bad partnerships before? I, I try to salvage everything. There's To me, there's two different types of issues. One would be an emotional personality issue, hmm. <clears throat> right? Like Nima and I have personality issues sometimes. Do you? Um, you guys are so in love. Yeah, because like sometimes he doesn't pay attention and other times he does. So that's like a personality issue. Then one, then another issue would be like a trust. If you trust that person. Um, and then, so actually there's three issues. So that was two. Then the third one would be if you're just not on the same page with what your wants are, or your desires or, or your, your goals. So um, personality, trust, and um, your goal your goal outcome, and actually one more four, so there's four, would be the type, who's doing what? What are the person's roles, right? So roles are who's actually putting the checks in, who's actually mm -hmm. checking the mail, who's mm -hmm. um, talking to contractors, who's dealing with tenants, right? So again, you have your personality, whether you and that person get along, right? You have your um, trust. trust issues, whether you actually trust someone, you have your goals. What are your goals long term? If you both want to make money slowly through rents, or if you if one of you wants to cash out today, um, that's a big goal di difference. And uh, number four would be again your um, roles. your roles. Who's actually doing we what? Even, we can even sum it up. We're accounting for. Look, if you're in a situation just where your vision is different than your partner's, right? where you action or what you want to do is different than your partner's. And that can encompass anything. Let's assume you want to develop, he wants to keep in rental. You guys bought a property together, whether it's one partner, four partner, five partners, right? And you have a different vision or you want to do something different with, with the property. And most of you are going to run into this issue when you don't self-fund. When you're not the sole owner and you have partners, you have, to, you have multiple personalities and you have to deal. 
And you have to figure out what works and what doesn't. Because at the end of the day, <coughs> if someone wants to drive east and someone else wants to drive west and you only have one car, you got a problem, yeah. right? And you two decided to share that car. You're both making the payments. You share, you're sharing the car. So who's going to go east or you're going to go west? At the end of the day, someone's not going to be happy, right? So you can handle it in different ways. And <coughs> Eric, how are the different ways that you can handle it? Or Noel? Let's ask Noel. 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 And I'm, I'm asking you because you're not necessarily in a position where you, you've you done this in the past or you've, you've been no, in I've these- I've had many partners that I've gotten with <coughs> in, in real estate. Not in real estate. No, no, in real right. estate, right? So guys, being involved with different business partners in a business context is not what this is currently about. And I'll explain why. Because those situations differ. Mm -hmm. Different assets, different means. You're not married to something. Mm -hmm. When you're a partner in real estate, you have a baby, you have a kid. You're married to something, right? So you have to figure out what to do with that child. So we're gonna talk about this in just in that context. So someone, and actually it's good that you've been in that situation in business settings, right? Mm -hmm. How do you think, or how would you think to handle it in a real estate setting, right? And I'm asking Noelle because in her mind, she's only gonna think of what's fair, right? Intuitively, because she hasn't been in that situation and she knows how it's done in business <coughs> settings. So give us what your opinion would be. So in real estate, well, first of all, I don't think a difference in personality is a reason to break up with someone. Okay. I don't think that. I think you need to power through <coughs> that and make it work. Um, I would just say you sell the building and you... you part ways. Yeah, you part ways. That, okay. that, that would be the easiest thing. That would be the first thing that would come to my mind. Or they buy you out of the building. Okay. So or someone buys someone out. So Eric, let's talk about her two positions, right? So Noelle's broken down the position to two things. You, you mutually sell it or you walk away and they buy you out. That's no. literally, that's literally, there's no wrong answer, guys. That's literally the context. The way you're looking at me, I feel like there was there's a wrong no, there answer. Is, no, there is no wrong answer. <laughs> there's no wrong answer. Okay. There's literally just the context of a divorce, Ooh. right? And that's how you would systematically handle an unemotional divorce. Now, what, what Noel's opinion doesn't account for is that emotional connection people have with real estate that usually when you buy a property, you're not the one who wants to leave because you're buying it for future appreciation and value and you understand that, right? right? So then both parties are gonna be like, I'm not the one who wants to leave. A lot of times, I can, there's so many variables, we can't hypothecate what they are. But the easiest, cleanest solution is, if you guys can't agree, and ultimately a court will end up doing that anyway, is it gets listed, you sell at a fair market value, and you part ways, right? And ultimately a fair market value, maybe he wants to buy you out, maybe you wanna buy him out, you guys have that discussion. And you go into a bidding war with each other until you know you get to the highest. So let's say you can't come to a reasonable value. So one person thinks thinks it's worth a hundred thousand, the other one thinks it's worth two hundred thousand. Then what happens? You go, you get two separate appraisers, and you right. take you can take an average of those two appraisals, right? But then you went to well, what's the appraisal method? Is it a cash value income basis appraisal, or is it just you know a price per square foot appraisal? Again, it just gets messy, right? But those that is the way you do it. You take two appraisals, you take the average. That's a common way of doing. It. There's no set way of doing. It. There's no wrong answer. And both people part ways, and you guys never do business together. And you take hopefully your profits and realize that was so. The, the, the real answer is whatever both parties can agree to do. Absent litigation is always your best bet. But if you go to litigation, a court will usually force a sale of the asset, right? That's how it will end up. Now, though, and what becomes the issue is in probably a situation where, and this is what Eric and I are thinking, as you said, that is, hell no, not us. You don't want to leave that partnership because you want to keep the asset, right? Especially if there's a long-term play where you have massive future gains, that maybe aren't necessarily justifiable on the table now mm -hmm. or wouldn't appraise for that number, but you know it's coming. 
right? So guys like Eric will buy a property for value add and that value add hasn't been added yet and they want to stay in for that. And but then wouldn't you, that be the time to get rid of the bad partner while it's still Yeah, but what value? if the bad partner doesn't want to be gotten rid of? That's what I think. Mm. Yes. Because I had a situation like that. I mm-hmm. bought a building in um, a large city and I had a couple partners and um, Nima actually helped me work through that. We're not going to mention specific things. Somebody ate a bag of poop. <laughs> but... Uh, we, the partner didn't really, the partner didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to change a business. The partner wasn't sure what they wanted. I offered them to stay in the partnership. Against they, my advice. Against his advice um, because, you know, I was able to look at the, the bigger picture. Like we had a relationship. Everything was good. Um, they were just changing their goals in life. So I said, you're welcome to stay or you're welcome to leave. They chose to stay. Literally six months later, they decided they wanted to leave. Mm. And then okay. give Eric a shakedown. And um, mm. we, no, not at the beginning. So at the beginning, we offered to pay them back um, what they paid for it. Because nothing, the, the value of the property hadn't really changed in that short period of time. Um, and then what happened was the person just disappeared. So um, it was a struggle because they ghosted us. They were gone for three or four years. We couldn't find them. Three or four years? Three or four years. Now, it's my fault for not being more aggressive because I did talk to Nemo over the years about it. And he was like, you can file for a petition. No, we didn't talk about that case, I think, until after. We talked maybe I talked to someone. You talked to somebody else. No, when I said against no, when when I say against my advice, I was thinking of a different time period context. Okay, I was talking about the third partner that remained. Okay, well, we'll get to that. So, yeah. So, so this um, one guy, no, you and I hadn't talked about so it. So this person disappeared for a couple of years. Um, I had I have multiple lawyers. I, I only use Nima for the good stuff because his, I can't afford him. Um, his, <laughs> his, he's just too up there for me. But um, Wild card. Yeah. So um, what happened was I had another attorney. We went through all this stuff. We actually came to a settlement. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but we came to a settlement agreement. It was all put in writing. Nobody signed. And then the person who had counsel um, ghosted their counsel, and they ghosted everybody. So here we are, ready to pay this money, ready to sign the paperwork, ready to get rid of the the partnership, and they disappeared. So after for like three to four years, and okay. then out of the blue, um, I get a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That's when you got involved, Nima. Yeah, you were yeah. just venting to me about the lawsuit, and I was like, yeah, I got this, bro. Yeah, and we so. took care of it. But <laughs> afterwards, I told Eric, if you're purging, purge all, right? Because you're doing the heavy lifting, and then everyone else is going to want to ride. So you got rid of the third person, No, too? the third partner I have no issues with, so I still have that person. But okay. uh, the, the second partner who we did get rid of ended up suing me um, for or trying to shake me down, which is where you said there was a shakedown. Mm-hmm. So this person... Their value, let's say their value was 100 grand. They were asking for 300 grand, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, with no basis, plus the fact that um, Nemo, we had all those carrying costs for all those years uh, where they didn't contribute for the three to four years. There were costs associated with this investment. Wait, so they didn't contribute any of the carrying costs? Correct. So were they at a negative? Nima, they should be, right? So if you capital did capital accounts, I really don't remember the exact details of it, but moral of the story is that, um, forget that, Eric was successful in that buyout. That was more streamlined. The I, I, Eric should have bought out the rest of his partners, whether he has a problem or not, because <clears throat> when you have multiple partners, usually when there's two partners, you figure it out. When there's multiple partners, that's where things get messy because someone may not have the majority. You know, When there's more, it's always worse. And... Instead of talking about this exact story. Well, let me finish the story. 
Because we had, the pisses me off. That's why I, I know it pisses you it. off. But so this so person tried. Nice. This person tried, and so what you said, they they actually did have negative capital, right, Neva? Because they hadn't contributed to all those carrying costs, which I had mm-hmm. to pay for. Mm-hmm. But because I just wanted it over with, and I wanted to, I care about being fair to people. I I offered to pay them the same amount of money that they put in. That was still a good deal. It was the. It was the other one. I think that you sh- you should have been like bye bye. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. But let's which what are you talking about? Oh my god, ta- this whatever. sounds a lot like a real divorce though. Like <laughs> where you're just like, I just went out here. Let me just give you the money here. I want. I don't like. I don't. Eric will always overgive. Yeah. So I, agree. I just I just wanted to move move on. I, I say you know, scorch I earth, the bury person. them two in the back of the head. But you guys are very different. You are more scorched earth. You are more like let's figure out an amiable way of having a relationship going forward. And even though I was Eric insulted. sees a long term play, he thinks about it like you know he's not penny wise pound foolish. I might burn the building down. I'll leave with nothing. Well, this should have been burned down for this person because the fact that they tried to shake me down, like you said, was just mm. overly insulting to me. Um, but regardless, I offered because I had made an agreement with them four years prior, and I said I made you that agreement with you four years ago, even though you went through all this bullshit. Oh, now I know what you're talking yes. about. Different deal. Yeah. So even though you did this four, oh, you thought I was talking about. Yeah. Talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now so, I know. Um, I basically just agreed, and or, or I still held. I'm a man of my word. So it was four years later. I still paid it off, um, and this person lost a ton of money because they misrepresented themselves to multiple lawyers. Mm. They had multiple firms that they owed money to. Mm. So let's say they got that hundred grand. They probably ended up paying what? Like half of it in legal fees. I have a question. There was nothing like they ghosted you for years. Yes. Not a couple of months, not a couple of weeks getting themselves together. Years. Isn't there anything? Don't you have? Does he have any repercussions for being ghosted? There is. What, there's a partition agreement which we talked about. There's the anti-ghost act of 1842. Right. So uh, ha, 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 ha. Explain the partition, <laughs> What's the uh, partition? agreement or what? Remember, you wanted to file for a partition or something. No, I, I want separate? to expel them. No ejectment. Yes. Yeah. No. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I want to kick them out as a member. Okay. Because but, but they no, it, so no, it wasn't because they ghosted, right? So <coughs> there was just way more to it than that. You know, they had merely just put in money. They weren't actually, they didn't go through the paperwork. They didn't put their name on the company, mm. right? They did nothing. It was mm-hmm. basically just a loan on the books. Um, so there was really no subjective claim they had to any equity in the property. But we don't want to get into all those details, right? right? Um, bottom line was Eric gave them more than they deserved. And it was just a bad partner because Eric gave someone an opportunity that they didn't deserve. And then they they just thought that because they put money in that this is just theirs. They don't You don't realize that when you buy... An asset, the asset needs to be maintained. When you have a right. child, the child needs to be fed. It doesn't just grow up by itself. And so, there's value in raising a child, right? It's like, imagine yes. you impregnate someone, come back 18 years later, and you're like, hey, what's up? Where's my share? You know, but the kid becomes a celebrity and now has money. Like, you weren't there for raising mm-hmm. him. You didn't do anything. You just thought that it raised itself. And that's not that's not how an asset yeah. works. An asset requires maintenance, especially when you're buying assets that are distressed. And that's mm. your business model, right? You're buying distressed assets. They require constant capital or improvements. And if you're not going to put money in after the fact, you're worthless because your initial money buy-in, you know, <clears throat> unless it's significant, is just capital that people could raise... <coughs> Could raise oh, his sorry. debt. <clears throat> yeah, you have to be an active participant in the management, you know. And if you're not, you're really not a good partner in any capacity, whether you agree or disagree. Like everyone needs to put in their two cents. And I think my lesson there was I shouldn't have waited. Once we started mm-hmm. and we came to that agreement where we all agreed to do something, when that person ghosted me initially, file a motion to enforce a settlement. Right. right. Instead of waiting that three to four years, 
like waiting for this person to reemerge. Um, we you have, have another situation. Eric has another situation yeah. like that where some he told someone to buy in with him. That guy doesn't do shit. And instead of you throwing the curb, you're covering the bills, you're covering the expenses, and that guy sits th thinks that his money's in the bank, yeah. right? Like that's, but again, Eric, that's a problem that Eric has is Eric is too nice to people and he, you know, he always wants everyone to come out whole at his own expense. What is your tipping point? Like what, what's your, what's your line in the sand? Uh, if, you're if you're disrespectful to me, I think, or if you, if you start to really, uh, Take me for granted. No, uh, what do you but think? No, that's not Eric's business? tipping point. What's my tipping point? This, this, this guy takes complete to complete advantage of you. Point? He's absolutely disrespectful to you, yeah. right? Completely unappreciative, and you're still not like f off. So that's not Eric's tipping point. If I have like a good connection with you, or if you're a good friend of mine, or if you're a good business relationship, I I try to hold on to that stuff. This guy's none like, of those things for you. Well, he was at one point. Sure, but yes. after the fact, so, Eric has no tipping point. Eric is just too nice. I I and I believe you on that one. Um, I've known you for a long time and I, I totally believe that. So what should we be telling our viewers? What should we be telling them? When is, when do you know enough is enough? When do you know you're supposed to break up a partnership? You can't, you, so you can't, you, you don't, when you just can't agree and you can't go separate ways and the business model doesn't work anymore. Right. Um, and actually it's funny. That's what makes Eric and I good partners, right? Because Eric is like that. And then like, when he he selectively kind of knows when I'm going to go nuts and I feel like he's somewhat, you know, he says, Oh, I just sit back. Like he's like, all right, good. Nima can do it. Like <laughs> I don't mind being bad guy and he doesn't mind me being bad guy. So it works out well, <clears throat> but you have you to like get to know, you have guy. to get to know the strengths. The I, I, I don't like being bad guy. I don't mind being a bad, I don't, I'm not going to get fondled. Right? Like it's just not going to happen. Oh, you're saying I am. No, you're just so nice, Eric. Honestly, someone can come. You have key, to be nice. Someone can key, key your car and be like, "You're a piece of shit," and you're gonna look at them and be like, "That was just a really messed up thing to do." You're gonna vent for two hours and then you're gonna go take care of the car yourself and be like, "You know, move on." I have better things to worry about. <clears throat> I'm gonna find that dude's house and break his windows with a bat. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but look, you know that guy would definitely get the people's elbow. Um, look, the reality though is, and we're not we're jumping topics. Yep. Back on is when do you know enough is enough? Honestly, when it no longer makes economic sense for the partnership to continue. So if you're making <clears throat> hand over fist money, do you stay in a bad partnership? Yeah, even, yeah. even if it's not working for you, you in do. the distribution of work, in the personality, you don't trust the person, but you're still making money, you stay? Yes. I, I, in my opinion, if you're making money and it's worth it, like if you're making money hand over fist and that other person's doing nothing and you could still make that money hand over fist without them, then no, leave. <coughs> they had no value. <clears throat> but if you're both making hand over fist and maybe you think that you do a little bit more work or they're not doing enough work or it's like a 60-40, then no. I mean, I'm talking about like 90-10. Yeah. In that case, when you're talking about a threshold of 10, 20%, even 25% difference in workload, well, you could risk blowing up everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could. You maybe you not know, be able to. Because even though you think you're going to separate it equal or equally or civilly, it could become a massive, you know, War of the Roses type experience, and exactly. you'll lose your all your money. Exactly. So yeah. keep staying that partnership. Yeah. Take that money, reinvest into other things where you're making an <laughs> allergy season. Are you okay? So I actually allergies. know. I actually know two examples for you. One. Um, a big real estate partnership with someone that you know, uh, not my partnership, someone else's. So one of the partners was uh, not, so one of the, there were two guys, um, they were partners for let's say 15 years together. Mm -hmm. One of the partners decided he wanted to bring his son into the picture. Okay. Okay. The business was doing really well. 
but the other partner didn't necessarily have an heir apparent and he didn't want to deal with the other guy's son. Um, so after making mm. tons and tons of money for 15 years, he decided it was time to end the partnership and he ended the partnership and he actually lost out financially because it just the money moving forward after the fact wasn't the same as it was had he just tolerated the, the son being in the picture. Yeah. But he stepped away and he got bought out and he probably was like, well, the guy with the son didn't want the partnership to end. Ah. Because the guy who was leaving was more of that what you said the guy that did the work, you know that this all of a sudden now it was no longer like the two guys together it was the two guys with the son and the the older guy just didn't want to deal with it. So guys, let's talk about what happens if you can't get this divorce, right? Mm. Let's talk about when it just doesn't make sense to get a divorce because that other person doesn't want to leave and you don't want to sell. Cheaper <clears> to keep her, right? How then do you flex, guys? When it comes to real estate, money talks. Right, that's the that's the reality. So if your partner is a minority stakeholder, right, and has five ten percent in a project, right? There's say there's four partners. Mm. Someone's everyone's thirty 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 ten. Or right for those of you who can't add, that equals one hundred. Now, <laughs> now you you got this guy who's ten percent, and honestly, it's the ones with the least in my experience who cause the most problems. Right, because they got a piece of something big, and now they think they're shot callers. They're not as pragmatic or thoughtful because it's not their money on the line. Sure. Right. With people's money is on the line, they're a lot more thoughtful, and they are much more considerate about how to optimize it. Mm -hmm. When people's money is not on the line as much, they're 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 more principled in their opinion as opposed to more rational in their decisions. There's a difference there. Right. Now, when they take this certain opinion or Depending on the structure, they become problematic. They don't want to do something. Let's assume that they have more. They have 26%, right? The numbers then change. But still, you know, it's not, you know, it's not enough. And they just start causing problems and they're not interested in doing something, right? And they start convincing all the other people not to do it. And they have a strong voice and they're just annoying. They're a nuisance. So what you do in that situation, depending on your operating agreement and how it's written, and I strongly urge everyone who enters into a partnership, unless you truly know your partner and you guys are good, like it's not a money issue and you guys are on the same page, right? If you're in, in a partner with people that you don't consider close friends, even you can consider close friends, but you know, if you, especially if you don't, then put in there and, and you're the one who's a majority shareholder, right? Put in there that the more capital you put in, it changes ownership. It always reflects based off of money. Mm. Because if you're dumping a and I wish Eric did this on his projects, because if you're dumping a million, $2 million of your money and they're sitting there with the same equity percentage and your money is just debt on the books, that doesn't do you any good, right? right? You, have, you have to wait to get paid back. Yeah. And it's not interest debt. It's not compounding, right? It, it doesn't make sense. So if you're going to put another million, two million, and everyone else is not going to put their money where their mouth is, then they should constantly be diluted. And the word today is diluted. So if you're diluted. a 10, right? If you're a 10% owner and you're not putting in money and you're, you're, you're eschewing the progress of growth because you don't have more money to put in, well, be if you're the bigger guy and you have put in more capital in that project, push forward, dilute your minority member until his shares are almost valueless. And, right. And having that in there is the key because you don't always have to abide by this stuff during a negotiation. Cause when you're ready to buy someone out or to end a relationship, you can make changes. But if you don't have what he's saying in there, you just don't have that leverage. No, mm. no. And, and then so you need to go into the contract knowing that a divorce is possible. Not all the time, right? Not all the time. 
you need to go into the contract. It depends how many partners there are, and you know, it depends on the situation and your your proximity with those partners, right? So if you if you sit down and you talk in advance, and your two partners, like Eric and I, have a project together, we talked in advance of what our objectives were for the project, right? Um, we have a very simple operating agreement; doesn't call for any of this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's because we knew at the inception. So you have no prenup. No, what we have, we don't we. We do because it kind of is a prenup, but we knew we, we knew what we wanted out of it, right? If one of us said I want long term rental and the other said I want development, it wasn't going to work, right. right? Right. So we were like, okay, well, what do you want to do with this project? Are we on the same page with it? And we are, right? So in a situation like that, no, this stuff isn't necessarily it's not necessary, right? Because at the end of the day, your objectives are the same and it washes out at the end. But when you have, I think this applies more when you have like there's two or more, there's more than two partners. Right. Mm -hmm. Three, we also know four, that if we did circumstances did change where I needed out or you needed out, we would help the other one if they wanted to keep it, work through that situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They would very rarely be a situation yeah. where if there was like an issue and it was, mm. when you when you have that kind of relationship, if there's a money issue, like I would want him always to stay in and he would want me to stay in. Mm -hmm. We would just be like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out, right? So I think it really applies when when you're more than two partners, when there's like three or four, because then you're dealing with multiple personalities and dynamics, right? And that fundamentally changes, uh -huh. right? That becomes a whole changed out scenario because one guy can convince the others. No one has a majority versus the other. It's not 50-50 and if neither of you decide, you maintain status quo, which is could still be positive cash flow, right? I mean, that's human nature. I mean, look at when your kids play. If there's a third kid, there's always more fights. You there's throw a weapon place, in and right? you decide who's the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, when you have a third the person, there's contract. always ganging up on either side and politics start coming into play. Who's getting who and who's Lord of the flies. Yes. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, human nature always prevails. And in that context, you need to understand that if you don't want a divorce, you can't get a divorce. They don't mm -hmm. want to leave it. They're like, I'm not selling my shares. I'm stuck. And then the only, mm -hmm. if someone says I'm not leaving, you have to sue to, to, to dissolve the company and force a sale to a third party. Right, that's effectively what's going to happen. So they can sink the ship just by having a small percentage. So you need to put mm. in their provision, right? Where it's like, okay, well, <coughs> if a majority or super majority, which means over seventy-five percent, wants someone out, they vote on it. You can buy that person out, and you can put in the formula. All this goes into the operating agreement, which is why it's so important to have a really tight operating agreement once you go into it. A lot of you guys, and I know this for a fact because I deal with it, you go download free operating, you buy a, a multi-hundred thousand dollar asset, multi-million dollar asset, and y'all are, you know, are, are so cheap and, 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 and you don't think ahead that you pay $400 online for an operating agreement or you download a free template and you just add some names in without even reading it. Mm. You guys don't know shit about the law for the most part, unless you're licensed lawyers, right? And even if you're not, you should still go to a licensed lawyer, talk it through and have a real contract drafted because this is your roadmap and that roadmap is followed strictly by the courts. Yes. Do you have a speedy operating agreement.com? I do not, I have a speedy evict.com. I know speedy evict, speedy evict to evict fast, but <laughs> you should do speedy, speedy operating agreement. I wouldn't. You can't, guys. No website. There's no way. No, no website way. that streamlines or generically produces operating agreements can take into account all the multiple unique and individual scenarios that involve partnerships with real estate. Mm -hmm. I strongly urge people listening not to use template operating agreements. Go to an attorney, pay a few thousand bucks. It's a lot cheaper than paying an attorney when you guys are breaking up to sure. fight it out. And if you're yeah. a multiple property investor with 
with multiple situations. You can always have a really good operating agreement made the first time and, and then use, use it. it over and over again with just smaller tweaks. So you're not necessarily paying the big bucks each time you're doing that agreement. Right? So, so understand the context, educate yourself, have a strong operating agreement. But the reality is if not all else fails, dilute, dilute, dilute. So start putting capital in and start cash calling, yeah. right? Do capital contribution. Say, mm -hmm. guys, you don't want to do that? Fine. Well, this building needs to get better. So everyone put in $100,000 because we're going to fix the roof, this, this, and that. Mm -hmm. Put people's money where their mouths are. That'll, in order to do that, yeah. you got to put your money where your mouth is. Sure. Mm -hmm. That'll encourage people to to want to move out. So let's. Mm -hmm. what about this strategy? So one time I had a situation where we were trying to negotiate through uh, uh, an end of a partnership and um, we couldn't get the other partner to really entertain the dissolution because they didn't want to leave. Okay. So um, what we did is we ended up Doing a mo or filing a mo not filing a motion, but what is it when you you file a complaint? You you make the complaint. So we did the complaint, which at the time was like ten thousand dollars to the attorney. But before we filed the complaint, we faxed it over to the other attorney's, the other client's lawyer, and that the fact that we made that complaint and spent the time because the other lawyer I guess knew mm -hmm. that we put a lot of time and money into this complaint. They all of a sudden they came to the negotiating table and we didn't have to follow up. Because guys, again, money talks in business. That I that's why again, and we talked about this before. Guys, if you're putting in all of your money into one deal and you don't have reserves to to just keep yourself in a strong position, you shouldn't, in my opinion, you shouldn't be doing that deal. You should be investing in a in a fund or a group where your money is just collective and it's creating money until you're prepared to 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 be able to fund deals and still maintain reserves. Because if you put everything into a deal, usually these deals require more capital after the fact. And if you can't back it up, you'll get steamrolled, right? Because when when things go sideways and they do, people are going to start litigating. And when you start talking about litigation, you're just burning bills. People build anywhere from you know, 400, 300, 600, $1,000 an hour. You know how fast that adds up? Now you got to start backing up your positions by burning through legal fees, which are not assets. That's debt. That's non-recoverable debt in most instances, right? So you're just burning through that. So when you put in all your money and then you, you, know, you also want to be difficult, well, you're going to have a problem if it comes to confrontation. And this partner probably realized he's going to have to spend $50,000, $100,000 litigating this and it just doesn't make sense. So he might as well figure it out now. So that was a good strategy then. Yeah, look, it, it basically told that partner, shit or get off the pot. Uh, we're not playing around. We already spent the money. We spent the money. Mm. All that's next is $250 filing fee and clicking next. And we're on, right? So, you you know, it, it, it's funny. There's a, there's a movie about Doc Holliday, right? And um, uh, Val Kilmer, I think it was Val Kilmer plays in it. And, you know, he comes out of the shadows. And I was playing this extra for no earlier. And he says... Um, I'm your huckleberry. And the guy basically, you know, the, the other guy accused him of not coming. And as, as he, as he walks out and the guy realizes that it's Doc Holliday who he's challenging mm -hmm. and Doc Holliday says, I'm your huckleberry. He goes, well, you know, I was just kidding. But at that point it's too late because Doc Holliday basically says, well, I wasn't right. right? So, you know, in situations like that, you know, you be prepared that if you're going to fight and you're going to take a position and you're going to be confrontational, be prepared that that guy, you may just push a little too far and that guy will walk out and he'll smoke you. And that's kind of what happened. 
in that situation. And guys, a huckleberry back then was a person who basically carried your casket. Yeah, I was going to ask that because yeah. I didn't know what that so was. So back to like a huckleberry, like they called the casket a huckleberry. Oh, bearer. Bearer. Like a pallbearer. Yeah. I thought you said huckleberry. It was like a pall. Now it's a pallbearer. It's a pallbearer, okay. right? Yeah. Um, back then they called it a huckleberry. Okay. So really, you know, it, it, it applies because sometimes guys, you may just talk tough and mm. then the, your partner or the person you're, you're going to fight, you can turn around, he's going to punch you, knock you out. So be prepared to fight. Be prepared to do what you need to do. How many partners do you guys have? So oh. like, I because I'm thinking that you- I'll have, answer for Nima, he has one. Okay. I'll answer for Eric, he has one. No, I have a lot mm. more than one. No, he's not monogamous like that. Go ahead, how many do oh. you have? Oh wait, we're talking about in business. Yeah. Yes, not, in business, <laughs> in business. In, not in our homes, but yes. No, I only have one partner, it's Eric. Yeah. Um, I probably have, I have, well, there's like real partners, which I probably have three or three to four real like partners. And then I have a couple partnerships mm -hmm. where I have some lower, lower, but like money, in buildings, really, like, like, a, not catch like a second level partner in buildings. How many people do you share buildings with? And the reason I want to know is because people out there, if they're new to this, they might want to know, like, I probably have 20 different wow. ties to people. Some are very, very tiny, and some are more substantial. The substantial ones are very few. Maybe there's three substantial relationships, and then the rest are very minor um, financially relationships. So that lets people know, if you're going to go all in with someone, if you're doing like a 50-50, if you're doing something where you're going to be with this person a lot, mm -hmm. you may want to vet them more. Well, it right? also it also depends on the level of partner, right? So right. someone like Nima, we're not only are we equal partners in something, mm -hmm. but we equally work it together, mm -hmm. right? So he could be my equal partner, but yet a non-managing person, mm -hmm. right? So he could have zero interest in what happens every day, and I could mm -hmm. just do everything, or he could be where we talk about what's happening. So that's two different types of partnerships. Um, we're in the process of growing our capital group. We're going to be where we're going to be doing bigger projects and taking uh, uh, bigger deals. Where we're going to have investors. So those investors are, in theory, they're also partners. Are they, partners? they would also be Legally? my partners. Yeah, I, they would be impossible. But they would to, be to, smaller level no, partners. Yes and no. They, they, they're members in a mm. partnership, which then is partnered with another uh, partner, <coughs> which is a company. It's just the structure is different. But yeah, okay. you are yeah. you're effectively partners. Okay. So <clears throat> it, just, it just depends on the situation. But the people where, to me, the level of partnership where, where you actually trust, where you're working hand-in-hand, 50-50 management with someone, that has to be a very tight-knit relationship. You have to be willing to let that other person make 100% of a call, mm -hmm. right? Mm. And that's a tough thing to swallow, right? And not mm -hmm. second-guess them and not make them feel bad about it and just work with it and just own it. Even that yeah. you just have to be willing to have them make the call. Like, yeah. and if it's a bad call, you have to it you have to just be is. okay with it, knowing that you you were cool enough that they had they were smart enough to make a call, yep. whether you agree or disagree, mm. right? And I think that's the key, especially when you have like a 50-50 partnership. Like for Eric and I, like if he makes a call, it's the call, right? Mm -hmm. If he doesn't need to ask me. Usually we talk mm -hmm. about it with each other, right? Or if I make a call, it's a call, right? Because we both trust each other enough where 100% can work, right? Because that person can just, he knows enough that it's usually the, the right the right context or the right idea. And I think we're both open to hearing about different contexts and ideas too, right? And I, I think, are you more surprised about how active I am versus, like, do you think I was going to be less? Yeah. 
Nothing about you surprises me. Wild card. <laughs> so are there, you know, we've, we've gone through that there are, we said what, uh, personality, trust, what was the thing? Goals roles. And roles. And there was a fourth. Your goals. Your goals. Mm -hmm. So is there, are there questions that you should be asking a partner to avoid divorce? Like that premarital counseling. Yeah, I think so. I think you have to check off those four boxes before you <coughs> get into the relationship. Hundred percent. I, I think your question is questions to ask. Yeah. yeah. Questions to ask. I, I, I would say you know the first off you should ask all questions about profit sharing structure mm -hmm. and most importantly capital. Right. You should talk about what are your foreseeable capital obligations. Mm -hmm. What do you expect from me to put in? What do you expect to put in? And in the future, what do we expect to put in? And you know. Who shares in the good? Who shares in the bad? Mm -hmm. And is it fair? Um, these are things you have to discuss. And most importantly, you have to discuss vision for the project. Yeah. If it's a buy and hold, it's a buy and hold. <coughs> that way, tomorrow, if one pro partner comes up and says, hey, I want to develop, and you're not into it, you know, they can't say, well, this is the better. You're going to say, look, when we bought this, we discussed this buying and holding. I don't want to put more capital into this. I don't see the development as good play. And there's no like, well, you know, that's not what we talked about because what you talked about was a buy and hold. Now, if you talk about a development, that person comes and says, I want to develop it. And then you're like, you know what? I know that's what we talked about. I just don't have the capital right now. Then you figure it out. Okay, well, we have to syndicate this, bring in other partners. How do we keep you? You know, you figure out a structure, but then no one has bad blood because the goal always was to right. do something. Right. And if you just can't, you can't do it, then you just figure out a way where it can be done and you still stay in it, right? That's how you work through it. But then no one's like, you're not in an awkward position because everyone always knew that was the plan going forward, right? So- it just, you have to talk about these things. You have to be on the same page and you have to know what you're getting into. Uh, it's not like a relationship where you, you know, and even good relationships, you guys talk about the hard stuff and you work through it, mm -hmm. right? And it's the same thing in a, in a business setting where you have to just sit down and you have to take away the personal, don't be worried about offending them, sit down, have a real conversation, talk it through, get it done, paper it, and then move on. And then after that point, everyone's on the same page. So there's no real surprises. You know, um, and I think that you have to go into it having that mindset that the little things don't matter, like don't penny pinch, right? A couple bucks here, a couple bucks there, who cares? It's right. the big grand scheme of things, right? Like that's really just what it comes down to. If your partner expenses lunch one day, who cares? You know, unless it's a ten thousand dollar lunch. Yeah, like don't don't get <laughs> don't, don't bother. Don't be don't go yeah. if you're going to be in a partnership, especially it's fifty fifty. Just don't be petty, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If there's an issue, bring it up. Say hey, like you know, this is don't sit there and write things down. Like you mm -hmm. know, it just it's it's it it's just stupid. Like honestly, over small chump change when there's a bigger project at play, and and always just be fair, right? Like look at the context about like well, what's the right thing to do? Right? What's the appropriate thing to do? How would you want to be treated? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right? If you always switch the roles around and say, if I was in this that other position, what would my expectations be? Right. You know? And be reasonable about that. Mm. Right? Don't say that and then give yourself a negative expectation just to justify your position. Right? Because people do that. Well, I wouldn't think that that's fair. Like, no, like, come on. Like, when you do that analogy, actually be reasonable and fair. Because I can't tell you, I talk to people and they're like, well, I wouldn't do that. I'm like, dude, that's such bullshit. Yep. Like, that's, I saw you do it last week. No, right. it's just like, no, of course. Like, that's not true. Like, you're just saying that to make yourself feel better about your current 
conduct, right? Okay. Avoid doing that, right? And if you don't know or if there's if you're unsure, go to a third party, mm -hmm. lay out impartial the situation and ask them their opinion, right? Because and not your good friend, don't blow smoke up their ass. <coughs> like actually go and try to get contact from someone you trust or you think is an impartial source. So if you are in <coughs> If you are enjoying this conversation, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Join our conversation. You subscribe YouTube, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Anywhere where you get your podcast, you can find us. Yes. There you go. There you go. And um, we'd love to hear about your partnerships. Yeah. We'd love to hear about partnerships that were successful. We'd love to hear about partnerships that you need help with. Um, we have lots of advice that we'd love to share with you. We can be your friend that you come and you ask for uh -uh. our impartial judgment. Go ahead, do it. Send it to us. Yes. Noel loves to have lots of friends. Yes, I do. <laughs> as long as it's not on Facebook. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <sighs> this was exciting. I'm, I'm glad we talked about partnerships. And dilution. And dilution. And dilution. That, that was the word of the day. Operating agreement. Down. Yes. Be so. like, bye-bye, birdie. Till the next sure. time. Chirp. Till the next time, be, be safe with your partnerships. Chirp, um, chirp, birdie, fly away. And remember, if you visualize it, you can own it. So we'll see you next time. Okay.